The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video, as seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. Well, welcome back to The Video Insiders. Uh, Dror, we have yet another video insider on this episode 86. I wouldn't expect anything less. That's right. That's right. We only host video insiders. Well, let me introduce uh, our our guest for this super exciting episode. So we're talking again to Jeremy Toman, uh, and we talked to Jeremy when he was at Warner Media. That was, uh, I believe, February 11th of 2021, episode 58 actually, to be exact. Jeremy has a new company. And so, Jeremy, first of all, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It, it, it's funny because it's, what is that, less than two years ago, but in a way it feels like a decade ago, you know? Hey, it's COVID years, you know? <laughs> well, something's happened. I'm, I'm not sure what, but something's definitely happened. Uh, but yeah, great to be back. Nice to see you guys again. Well, uh, Jeremy, congratulations on the new company, AugX Labs. So you have to tell us, uh, what are you doing these days? What is AugX Labs? The, the, the shortest version ever uh, is we're, we're just trying to make it a lot easier for people to make video. It's the most important media type from a perspective of, of business, right? Like there's more going on, whether you're trying to get a message across, video is the most effective way to do that advertising models, etc. Yeah. And if a picture is worth a thousand words, you know, imagine how much 30 pictures a second uh, are worth, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, guys, I was told there would be no math. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that's basically it. And in fact, the story of this company goes back to when I was, uh, when I was at Warner. I was doing a podcast with uh, JT White, who, Mark, I think you know through the industry, definitely a video insider. Um, and JT and I had this podcast we record about, talk about movies. It was just for fun. We had a great time. No, nothing as professional as what you guys do. And I had been reading a lot of articles on how to grow your audience. You know, it was a hobby, but like every hobby, we want to do our best at things, right? And so, you know, we, we knew we were entertaining at least a few friends and my mother. So why not try to expand that to a couple more people? And the thing that kept popping up in my feeds were, if you really want to grow your podcast, you better have some video out there. I'm sure you guys have seen that too. I'm trying to get Jordan to turn his camera on. <laughs> this brings us to issue number two, which is, I don't always want my camera on. I don't, like, if I'm going to do a podcast for an hour a week, I don't need everybody to see my bedroom or my living room or wherever I'm, you know. And also that's pretty boring content anyway. Right. No disrespect to whatever anyone finds entertaining or informative, but I, for one, especially after COVID, I'm tired of just watching nothing but a talking head on my screen. So we were doing this podcast and I was like, you know, we have to get a YouTube promo out. We have to get a TikTok promo out. I don't want to be a talking head. I don't want to just record ourselves. So I'm going to go learn Adobe Premiere Pro. That was my wow. decision. <laughs> that was not a great decision other than it led me to where I am today. But, you know, I spent 40 hours doing self-paced tutorials. And it's not to, you know, Premiere Pro is a phenomenal product, but it's really designed for video editors and video professionals. I'm sure many of them listen to this podcast. It's not designed for someone with no real creation background. And the thing I learned while trying to use the tool is 
it wasn't really that the tool itself is so hard. It's that I had a blank canvas and I was trying to solve for that using an editor. And that, if you think about it, if we think about it, even like Google Docs, right? The, yes, you can edit, but you had to write first. And we can do sound editing, you'll edit this podcast, but we had to record it first. Yeah, you always need some input to work with. Exactly. And the problem is that the nonlinear thinking it requires to make visual stories isn't my skill set. And it isn't many people's, as it turns out. So our startup, AugX Labs, uh, the name of it in many ways reflects the whole vision. When the thing was getting started, when we first had these ideas, it was actually, I give my wife full credit. She had this idea for a name called Augmented Audio Experiences. And I was like, that's phenomenal and way too long. Although I think I bought the domain. I was trying to, to shrink it down, get something bite-sized, also get something that, that would be available. So I shrink down the augmented audio to just aug. Experiences is the X. And then I want to do labs because we weren't quite sure where the vision would take us, right? If you think about startups, you start with an idea, a very basic concept. Our very basic concept was take audio, make video. Make the video based on the audio. Exactly. That's right. So one of the things we started to realize is like anyone can podcast, right? You, you don't literally even need a microphone because all the devices you own have one. All you actually have to do is hit record and you can be off and running. And we're all good at that, right? Some are better than others, right? Obviously, they're very talented professionals, but we all know how to talk and tell stories. And so our vision was if we can help people who know how to talk and tell stories, what if we can help them show stories, right? And then to your point, drawer about the picture's worth a thousand words, actually, at the very beginning, that was one of our slogans, is that if you say 10 words, you know, how many pictures do you need? You know, that was kind of, we were playing with little ideas like that. But we wanted to help people make video much more easily. And then if they take the output of what we've created and bring it into Premiere Pro or Final Cut or any other tool, great right? But how come there was no like light touch? There's no easy way to get started. And so that's, that's the sort of uh, original birth of the company. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, taking audio and saying, okay, how can I make video based on the audio that you've already created? Now, I've been following, you know, what, what you've been doing in, in the last few years. And I noticed these kinds of experience that you launched along the way while developing AugX Labs, like 1201 Games and uh, Prompt Locker. What are these and how are they related to, to this vision that you presented of creating video based on audio? Well, thanks for asking. I, I, I haven't gotten asked that as much. You use the term experiments, we use the term scrimmage. Uh, it's something I sort of evolved over my years as, as building products. Everybody's heard of hackathons, right? You get a bunch of people in the room, or on virtual rooms or whatever, and you have you know you try to cultivate an idea, you try to make a demo, and then at the end you maybe you win a contest, which is great and does a lot for a lot of companies, but for me as a product guy, I, I felt that that was only half the story. So to me, a scrimmage is where you actually put the entire team to work, and you again time box it. So we spent a week, um, we've done two now, and and the goal is to actually ship something. Right, because the exercise, and I'm using that word on purpose, but the exercise required in shipping product is far, far wider than just building a demo. 
right? You have to think about your end user. You have to think about scaling. You have to think about launching it. How are you getting in front of people? And so by doing these scrimmages, what I've learned through the years is you can really put a team through its test. You can figure out your weak spots before you go into things. It's almost like product-led growth of it. It's almost like team-leading, team-led growth or something. I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what we call that. So back in, in March, we had our first one. And the only constraints I put out there was we have to spend uh, 48 hours on it. It has to relate to video because we're going to be a video company. Uh, and it couldn't incur massive costs. We couldn't do something where shipping it would require, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a week of server hosting or whatever. It had to be super lean. And if you think about the timing, this was at the height of the Wordle craze. And so we decided to build a game called Movie Doll. And Movie Doll was, is, you can still go play it. Um, you, you get a second long clip of a movie and you have to guess what, what it is. And if you don't guess in one guess, you can do it again with two, three, four, et cetera. And so by having this scrimmage involved, all of the team was put to work. We launched it. We, we did all the deployment code necessary. Turns out along the way, the other thing we were testing was our ability to launch products. And this one worked out pretty well. All of our PR, uh, viral work, and influencer work paid off to the point where we've had actually over 6 million people have played that game since day one. Wow. Wow. Amazing. So the original tie-in was just put the team through an exercise. Like, let's, let's stretch before the long run, right? And the result of that instead was figuring out where some of our holes were, um, improving some productivity processes, getting a successful launch under our belt. And, you know, if you think about it, having that out there led us to uh, some press work. It led us to some more connections. It also led us to a business relationship with a startup called Likewise. Likewise is a TV recommendation platform that has, uh, actually it's TV, books, movies, and podcasts. It's really, really cool. It's built by uh, some ex-Microsoft folks up in Seattle, great team. And, you know, they had built a product that when people were using it, they loved it. It was great recommendation algorithms, good discovery. But if you think about it, you don't need a recommendation like every day of the week, right? And like any startup, one of the things we're all measured by is can we get active users? And so what we came up with was that they uh, effectively licensed MovieDoll from us. We put it on their website, so that's where people would go to play. And then their technology could be making recommendations of other movies to watch, podcasts to discover, all sorts of other cool things. So it was a real like win-win relationship, right? They wanted more daily active use. We wanted to find a, a good partner to get MovieDoll even bigger than it was and something in the domain. So it worked out really great. But could you monetize it? We have monetized it to some degree, uh, which at a, as a pre-seed startup has been great. Nothing that would impress uh, the big players out there. Also, you asked about 1201. The reason we called it that is we were noticing this huge spike in traffic around midnight. And we started doing some research. It turned out all of the Wordle clones have this phenomenon where people want to be first. People are in like text threads or Slack groups with like six other friends trying to be the first one to get the Wordle of the day. Well, it happened to us too. People want to be the first one to get the movie doll of the day. And so we had this idea, it's like, oh, 12.01, because by that time, you're done playing. You know, it's only a minute of your day anyway. Ah, I see. So it's launched on, on midnight, and then by 12.01, you're done with it. Exactly. And so building the game was great for us from, uh, from morale, from learning, from technology. We also discovered a few tech platforms uh, that we now use in our core product. 
and some of the actual code base has been reused into the core product. It's sort of been an underlying principle that you know try to avoid any throwaway work as much as you can. The next one we launched was Prop Locker. That was uh, back in October. The most fun part about this, to be really candid, is we we were together as a team for the first time ever. We were at our on-site. It's like the opposite of an off-site. We all actually left our home offices and flew to Atlanta and spent a few days working together. And we did another scrimmage. In this case, you know, the generative AI art space has been blowing up. And one of our goals, and we'll get to this as we talk more about what AugX is doing as a core product, is aiming to understand the context of visuals as they pertain to words, right? So if you think about what I said earlier, what we're trying to do, if you give us an audio, we'll give you back a video. Well, we have to know what's the right thing. And there's a lot of words and a lot of tones and a lot of context where the word itself might change dramatically. And computers are still learning this stuff. So I always use the word saw as my example, because I can say the following phrase, I saw saw while carrying a saw. <laughs> yeah. Or I could say I was sawing when I saw saw. Now to humans, you're you're able to be like, wait a sec, okay, I oh I get what he did there, right? Yeah, exactly. Like the movie and yeah. Yeah. We want our AI to be as smart as a human is and being able to say, picture this story. Right. And so our uh prop locker effort, first of all, we love the AI art community and we wanted we, we were noticing we were making lots of stuff and we had nowhere to put it. So we made a site just to do that. But the other thing it does is it has sort of a, with none of the connotations, but sort of a hot or not for the art itself. Are people making better or, or worse art based on the prompts? And what we wanted to let artists do is figure out for themselves, like what do they want to put out there? Maybe they're going to mint an NFT or print it or something like that. But from our side, we get to do a lot of learning around the relationship between the words used and the images that, that go with it. So there's always a subtle tie-in back to what we're doing. Sometimes, though, to be candid, it's important for people to have a good time, right? And so building Prompt Locker was also a very fun experience where, you know, we came to it day, you know, day in, we had the concept, but then evolving it and figuring it all out as, as we went was great. And, and again, getting to see everybody actually build a product together in the same room, which, you know, is normal at most companies, but abnormal in the uh, 2022 virtual startup land. So that, that was great for us. Yeah, I think it's, it's a great idea doing these scrimmages and getting the team together and kind of getting the wheels, you know, going and forming the processes and, and doing something in the domain, not directly related to your product, but in the same domain and um, getting in front of customers and doing all the product cycle. I think it's really a, a great concept and... I'm sure you're going to continue with it, right? Even when the product is launched, you... Oh, for sure. We will maintain this because it's... Incidentally, by the way, everything we built into Prompt Locker is code that was either already in our core product or is being added to it. So another case where so much of it was reusable. So yeah, we'll be doing more scrimmages. And uh, it's funny, I've been talking a lot about that concept recently because we had a marketing consultant when we were first getting going and he made a comment that I really love, which is you could go get the best musicians in the world, you have to have them rehearse once before they go on stage. 
Exactly. And you need a conductor, right? You know, of course, if you have a, a symphony orchestra with 80, 85 musicians, you know, then that's sort of obvious. But even you go see a, a major pop star and there's always a musical director on the stage, often the keyboard player, sometimes a guitar player, and they're there directing the band. And these are world-class, some of the very best in the world, and there still is a musical director. It's a great point, yeah. So the scrimmage concept, uh, Jeremy, it, how did you exactly come up with that? You know, like, uh, it, because this is not your first startup. So have you carried this through or did this just evolve organically or? I had done some lighter touch versions in the past, but this is the first time I was like, I'm going to, now that I'm working for myself again, I want to do it the way I want to do it. And obviously in concert with my co-founders so that we all agreed with what we were going to go off and do, you know, I, I've done attempts at it in the past. These ones were my favorite though, for sure. Especially because they tie into the core thing, right? They're not just larks of, you know, we didn't build a food delivery app or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's really dive into Augax. You know, so you've hinted at what the product is, what you're building, but um, uh, tell us more. Well, the the easiest way to see some of the kinds of output is actually on our homepage. Our company's homepage has a video on it that we built using our tool. I actually, it's my audio, I recorded it, but... The cool thing about that video is it was made in a couple of minutes. So I can look you guys in the eye and say, imagine that my entire startup's homepage, the thing that is going to make or break things, was powered by a video built by a guy who doesn't know how to record video, uh, doesn't know how to edit video, and spent less than 10 minutes of his day doing it. And you start to say, like, that doesn't seem like that should work. But it does. And, and that's what we built. So what our tool does is you can upload audio or video. We're also working on a integration with a text-to-speech engine, so you can just upload a script. Uh, we've done some prototypes of it. It works great. It's it's. I can't wait to show it. You have some kind of content prompt. You know, usually it's a script or a narrative. Our, our system listens to it. Uh, we transcribe it, which is off-the-shelf technology at this point. That's not that's not special for us. Where our technology comes in is first is understanding what we call shots, or you might think of as scenes, right? So if, I'm, if I say a whole sentence, where's the natural breakpoint to the next one? I obviously did that very deliberately, but by trying to figure out what is the speaker trying to say, because in written language, punctuation does not accurately correspond to spoken word, right? There's no true end of sentence I'm sure I have a dangling participle or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm really guilty of that. <laughs> we all are because we're humans and we, we just sort of talk. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. We've spent 60,000 years telling stories to each other. We don't have to overthink it. But when we write, we need to communicate. So we put in punctuation, periods, commas, etc. So the first thing our technology does is try to figure out when should the scenes break. We then create a bunch of what we call shots. We actually auto do this in front of the user. So as you've uploaded your audio, you start to see your shots emerge. It's really neat. The next thing that happens is we auto fill the shots. So this is where our AI really takes over. And to be really candid at this stage, you know, we're early still, the AI is the least powerful part of it because you know when you get a system up and running, you sort of have to brute force it. You know That's how you get around the chicken and the egg. So Right now, it's primarily raw search, but it is slowly but, but steadily moving to, to machine learning powered. But what we do 
is we attempt to extract from the shot, what were the words that mattered the most, right? So even in that last sentence, what were the words that mattered the most? We might say mattered, what were the words the most? I'm not sure. I'm not a linguistic uh, expert as can be derived immediately, but we attempt to figure out what were the words that had the most value of that shot. We then use our algorithms to match that to imagery. Our imagery comes from a virtual clip library, which consists of three main types of clips. The first is the user's own media or company's own media, right? So if you are the junior marketing person for Gillette and you have you know a hard drive full of assets of razors and foamy cheeks and whatever. Um, so the first thing we do is we let the user ingest whatever the content they want. It could be Dropbox, Google Drive, their phone, or, or just on their computer. So the first section is, is personal or owned media. The second type is publicly accessible content. So we have integrated Giphy, Bing Search API, as well as Unsplash from Getty Images, so that we have at our disposal millions of images and clips that can either match uh, a very serious tone. If you're making a high quality, high production value piece of content, you're probably gonna use like Unsplash stuff. Uh, if you're making something that might be silly or funny or for memes, you might be using more Giphy kind of content or Bing kind of content. We let the user decide what they want, so it's all user driven. The third category is generative media. And so this has obviously become a hot topic over the past few months. We all internally look at August 12th uh, as a as sort of a D-Day in the industry, is the day that Stability AI open source stable diffusion. It's generative technology. So it generates a piece of artwork based on the description. So if I were to say, draw a picture of three guys on microphones wearing headphones podcasting, it would probably come up with something like what we look like now. It's used tens of billions of images to train a model. It's phenomenal. Well, if you think about what we're doing, sometimes there's not already an existing image to match the need of your particular video. Maybe you're talking about a fantasy concept or a very poignant thing, or you're, you're trying to make a joke, whatever it might be. If that thing doesn't exist today, thanks to Stable Diffusion and Dolly2 and others, it could. So we've integrated that so that when you use different types of phrasing, we will now either find for you personal media, pre-existing content, or generate some media to match your need. We then assemble the whole thing in a very simple drag and drop interface, you organize the content however you want it to be. You can replace images. So the first pass, we give you a suggested piece of content. Then you can say, yeah, it's not right for me. I want something more like this, more like that, right? Like if we're talking about someone was crying right now, only you know was that someone male or female, old or young, tall or short. Uh, are they crying out of laughter or are they crying out of sadness, right? All of the variables I just gave you will change the image you want. So we have a starting point image that is a good guess. We then give you many more to choose from. And so when I say you can make a video in just a few minutes, it's because you can literally just go scene by scene, replacing from your hard drive, replacing from the internet, or replacing from a generative clip. And it's really fun to use, I gotta be honest. So at the end of it, we pop out a video for you. You can then import that to TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, wherever you want to do with it, put on your homepage. And that's basically what we're doing. It's somewhere between a really, really good slideshow and a Ken Burns effect style Civil War America kind of video. We're sort of sit in between those, uh, those style guides is how I'd say it. So we're not, uh, we're not making Marvel movies and we're not making funny cat videos, but all that stuff in between. 
I wanted to ask you about that because when I look at your, uh, on the homepage, which by the way, uh, listeners should definitely go check out the demo video, sample video there. It is a mix of video clips. And then like you say, the Ken Burns sort of pan and scan, you know, static images. How is it deciding when to use a photo versus when to use a video clip? Is that something, you know, that you're going to further refine? That's a great question, but there are none. The user can choose all of it. So when you start your project, if you're doing, let's say, an inline recording, so I'm going to just record a script right now, go into the app and go, you get to choose their source types and you get to choose from, do I want more images or more video or all images or all video? Do I want things that look more professional? Again, like Unsplash and Pexels. Or do I want things that are a bit more silly and whimsical, like Giphy and Bing? So the user actually has complete control from moment one on. And obviously some of that's just a style choice. I mean, depending on what you're what you're going for, right? Exactly, yeah. And, and that's part of the other reason, by the way, for some of the generative AI. We want to let every creator, whether you're the marketing manager for Gillette Blades, all the way to me, the podcaster, all the way to anybody who uses a, a video for professional purpose, you know, that's where we really come in. And, and, that, and that's really an important point for us is that we look at video from a few different lenses. There's video that is purely for entertainment purposes, movies, TV shows, etc., which is the bulk of what we're all watching. Also funny cat videos. Then there's video with purpose, for lack of a better word. And that purpose is to engage an audience in a specific way, right? So a, a commercial is a video whose purpose is to sell a product. Right, a trailer is a video whose purpose is to sell a movie ticket. Uh, my homepage video is to potentially get an investor or to get more people to use our product uh, or to spread awareness of it. We all have goals. You know, you guys are going to make video. There's a reason. Our goal is helping people with purposeful video creation to meet that goal. So, Mark, all the way back to your question: Is if I want to use funny memes to make my point? or serious heavy stock photography or all motion video, it's me trying to serve my need. Now, where the platform's going, we'll be making recommendations to the user as to what we think will solve the goal the best. So if you're trying to get subscribers to your podcast, it's very different than me trying to get sales of my widget. So we are going to be helping educate the content creators through data and AI what imagery will be the most likely to convert based on the stated goal. And so that's the long-term vision of the company is really helping uh, not just make the video, but actually convert the objective. And that's our, one of our key differentiators in what we're trying to do. I find it very interesting that you start not from text, but from audio, but then you take the audio and transcribe it back to text. So, you know, why wouldn't the user just upload the text? But then when you mentioned how you listen to the audio to find the emphasis points and to find the breakpoints and to see what would be the best places to switch the scenes, you know, that makes sense because audio is a richer format than just text. You're totally right. The reason we did audio first is what you just said. We actually have now gone on and evaluated uh, literally 250 different AI synthetic voices so that we can do a good job with the text-to-speech. If our goal is to help anyone in business, whether that's an individual content creator or a huge company, really get their audience to do something, engage or subscribe or whatever it is, we know that it has to feel like their tone. So if a, if a company wants to have a, for lack of a better phrase, a more robotic sounding voice, we have plenty. There's not a ton that are truly human sounding with all the transitions and sound breaks. So we want to make those available in the product to our users. 
Yeah, yeah. So that that's another consideration that if you start from text, you will get some synthetic voice. But here, when you start with real audio, this will be part of the video and enrich it. Exactly. And also, it depends how personal you want it. Yeah. Yeah, it's super interesting. So in your research, does it give a more personal experience if you have, you know, like your voiceover? And of course, you know, now we know clearly and our listeners know what your voice sounds like. But right away, I knew it was you. It's like, okay, that's Jeremy's voice. You have a very professional sounding voice, but it's not a like a DJ sound, you, you know? No one's tuning into the, the late jams with, with Jeremy. <laughs> no, it's, that's just never ever happening. But, but I'm curious in your research, like if you have this, I'll just call it like natural sounding uh, narration, you know, n- narrative track, but then you have what maybe some would look at the images and they would say, okay, that, you know, is maybe there's generative, you know, AI, there's, you know, there's the pan and scan, there's, you know, there's all this, does that give a more personal or what if you had more sort of um, less polished video, but with the more robotic, you know, generative, like what gives the more personal experience? Do you have any insights, you know, or the more personal feeling? It's a great question. Uh, We're in the process of learning that right now. So we have people on our platform. We have over a hundred testers using it right now uh, from all walks of life. Sign me up. I'm. I, I've already registered, so I'm. All right. Well, let's. Well, I'll let you in, buddy. I'll let you in. Move him up in the queue. That's all right. Move me up. Move me up. Just refer. Refer fifteen friends. No, I'm just kidding. We'll get. We'll get you in there. <laughs> we're, we're just referring uh, 2,700 listeners here, so I think we deserve it. That's right. <laughs> Tell them Mark sent you. That's right. There we go. Yeah, and enter promo code Mark. <laughs> no, but there is a there is an application for early access to the beta on our website. So if you if you do apply, where it says who sent you, you can put on the Video Insiders podcast. So we'll we'll try to make a good point of bumping them up in the queue. So uh, so we'll, we'll we'll take care of that. But to your question, is what what works the best? I don't think there's a one size fits all answer. I think that's what we're learning already is. There are times where humor converts. There are times where emotions convert. There's times where things that look handcrafted convert and things that look polished convert. So I think it's a matter of everybody finding their thing. Like, look, I don't expect L'Oreal or Toyota, two of the top advertisers in North America, I don't expect them to use our platform for their final product. For a TV commercial. But, but maybe for TikTok, they will. Maybe for TikTok or maybe the agency or agencies, I don't, maybe they're in-house. I, 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 sorry, guys, I don't know how you make your ads. I know you make a lot of them. <laughs> but whoever those people are, if there's one thing I've learned in, in, my, in my time on this earth, whoever those people are, they too are time constrained and budget constrained. Everybody, no matter how much money is being spent on a thing, no individual part of the food chain ever has quite enough, right? So the, the production team's always behind schedule, the this team's always late, the that team's always under budget or over budget or whatever. So the way we look at it is we're helping all those people, right? The people at those agencies or internal to those companies who are told, hey, I need to see the, the, the final shot. You got a week. With our tool, they can see the first shot 10 minutes later. And that's the thing that they've never been able to do. You know, I'm a product guy. So... Uh, if there are bugs in our products, we're going to fix them. If we find our users want new features, we'll build them. If we have ideas for features, we'll, we'll make those too. But in video, you can't. Once video is done and out there, it's, it's out there. We're going to allow video professionals to have the same ability 
to create and iterate content in a what we call lo-fi or low-fidelity model. And then they can decide, you know what, I need to go hire a pro, make it look like this, but good. Or make it look like this with these actors or make it look like that. So your tool can also be used for creating demos and prototypes and not only the final product. Yeah, actually as a demo, I took, uh, I took a 30-second script from the movie The Big Lebowski. I took a 30-second uh, segment of the script. I uploaded the entire script to an AI voice generator. Uh, and I then grabbed that audio, to your point earlier, Jor, yep, it's text to speech to text, and then uh, uploaded that to our system and used only stable diffusion for generative work. And I basically recreated the storyboard of the movie. So imagine being able to prototype your movie before you film it, right? Where does the, you guys know this. I mean, you could tell me uh, of every minute or hour of film, where's the cost? If you could avoid any of that, by more and more pre-production, you know, that those are some of the use cases we see for what we're doing though. That is super interesting. So that's this AI assisted notion. You know, I know there's a lot of conversation about, oh, AI, you know, what's its impact going to be on putting, you know, humans out of work. <laughs> and of course the proponents for AI have been saying, no, now humans are going to have AI assistance, which is going to give them either much, much greater efficiency, give them higher quality, get them to a result faster. You know, it's not that it's going to put humans out of work. And, and that's exactly what we're talking about here. And they can focus on their creativity and not on, you know, the mechanics of using the tools to, to create the content. Exactly. Yeah. Joy, you said that, but actually both of you said that very well. We look at part of what we're doing. I use the word joyfulness a lot or joy. It's just a, it's, it's sort of a central thing for me. When we talk about movie doll internally, the metric we've used is the minutes of joy created, Right. When we think about what we're building with our product though, what we wanna do is make the creative process just as joyful as it's supposed to be, right? Like technology is supposed to be our, our biggest uh, enabler, but how much time do we spend wrestling with it? Not 40 hours in tutorials for, for, for Adobe Premiere <laughs> Pro, right? <laughs> like, right, like and so AI is going to impact a lot of things in a lot of ways, and it will change some of the, the, the financial models and like how artists in certain segments make money. At the same time, though, like every time we've seen innovation like these, it just shifts around where the energy goes. You know, I remember, and I actually wrote a, a post on this for our newsletter last week, I remember when con computer art was being debated as to if it's art at all. If you use a mouse and a screen, is that really art? Right. Like that was the discussion in the 90s. So now it's like if you type a few words and you get prompt, like it's not the same as a hand drawn piece of anything. But if my opinion is those hand drawn things are going to become even more valuable. Right. Because it's like, no, actually, I did this. I spent 60 sleepless nights, you know, on this canvas making this thing. I didn't just type a few words into an AI. That said, if I need to make a video and show a prototype and I want to show my boss 10 minutes later, I don't have time to do the professional thing, right? So I actually think of it as more door opening than closing by a long shot. Yeah, I'm 100% I'm there with the same view. So it's one thing to develop core technology. It's another thing to commercialize it. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, not everybody you know, crosses that chasm, you know, or makes that, that jump, if you will, to commercialization. 
So what are your plans to commercialize this? Where do you see the opportunities? So we're in alpha testing right now. And so anyone doesn't know what alpha testing means is it's a really raw version of the product. There's no errors. There's no help. If something goes wrong, you might not be able to fix it, but it also does work. And, and in fact, I made you guys a video for your podcast. So one of our market paths is podcasters. There's over a million active podcasters defined by having 60 plus episodes, six months uh, minimum work and still active. And of the podcast community, we've now learned that if you want to grow your podcast, especially, you know, look, what we're talking about here is very industry focused. But if you're a comic or musician or, or lifestyle or true crime, any sort of, I don't mean to use the word regular podcast, but more mass appeal, the only way to break through these days is video. The only way you're going to find an audience. And look, I, I've been podcasting for two years. I love it. I love the space. But podcast discovery is a terrible mess. And podcasters are, are spending way, way more time growing their audience than they are like building their podcast, which is what they want to be doing. So we're going to be helping them by enabling anyone to make video previews really, really quickly and easily. We're also working with a, a bunch of video freelancers as part of our early go-to-market as well. So in this case, we're finding people who do commercial work, do homepage demo work, all that kind of stuff. When I show them the video that's on our homepage, I ask them the question, how long would it have taken you to make that video from scratch? And they always look at me the same way. Oh, it's really easy, Jeremy. That's maybe, maybe two days max. But if you actually already knew the images you wanted to use, probably as little as half a day. I'm like, cool, cool. How about 10 minutes? You know, and so after they, their jaw drops for a moment, the thing I immediately tell them is like, I want you using this tool. Uh, we're going to be building an exporter to Premiere Pro and Final Cut Pro so you can one-click take your project from our tool into theirs. With the idea being, get a sense of your work immediately, right? Get your script out there, call your client and say, I'm thinking of a flow like this, right? And then you have, remember, all of the costs is all the reworking, all the editing, all the reach, I mean, reshoots are inaffordable to anybody. So we get rid of all of that. And so as as soon as the video pros start to, to get that understanding, it's like, oh, I can do the stuff I love about my job in eight less hours or so a day. I can still build the same for it because nobody out there knows anything, right? Like if you're hiring expensive people, you're hiring expensive people, good for you. So we, again, we just enrich the ecosystem. Those are our first two markets going going into the into the initial launch. Uh, although we're, we're welcoming in others as well. Any, anyone who has a purposeful video to create, uh, we're talking to a company that does publishing. They want to use it for children's visual audiobooks, basically. They don't want to just upload the actual art from the book. They want to do a different one, uh, which I think is really cool. Uh, they, we're talking to a real estate company that wants to make uh, all their agents have video listings, effectively turnkey solution. We're talking to an educational tech company where, you know, going back to where we started this conversation, all the lectures are the talking head videos and they know that the kids don't watch. The kids multitask. They open another tab and play games, add a few visuals to it. And we've done some testing. The audience retention changes dramatically, right? Because we like, we're humans. We like visual motion. We, we, we want it. And then... As we work out the kinks with those uh, first markets, and by kinks, I mean, what are the features they want, right? We're already learning a ton from, from users is they want better title cards. They want better this. They want Okay, so we'll go build all those things. 
Then we'll expand further. We'll reach a few new dem demographics, um, market segments that we've been approaching. So the ones I just mentioned. But the way I also look at it is like small business advertising. Small businesses still spend on average $1,500 to $5,000 for late night TV ads, which is, by the way, still a multi-billion dollar industry. But if you allow any mom and pop shop or restaurant or tradesman or whatever it is, create simple, quick videos that convert, they, you, you help them do their job. So that's a bit of how we're looking at the world uh, over the next uh, year or so. This, you know, brings to mind an interesting idea. You talked about converting and, and before you talked about creating the video in a way that will convert for that user and not just conveying a message, but they have a goal. They want to convert. So what if your technology is embedded throughout the pipeline into the measurement of what happens with that video. And then based on responses of users, how many times they view, where did they jump, did they stop it or not, etc. Did they buy the product eventually? Then an automatic loop is closed with the generative mechanism and you make the video better for its purpose. Is this something, or did I reveal some secret? Sounds like a good idea that, uh, yeah? <laughs> that um, I have a pretty good slide deck about, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but think about it. It makes sense, right? Why are we wasting, you know, there's an old saying, right? Half of every ad dollar gets thrown out. We just don't know which one. Yeah, that's right. We don't know which one. <laughs> well, yeah. what if we could recover 10% of that, 5% of that? You know, the U.S. ad industry alone is sufficient to be a phenomenal industry if you can help every advertiser be more efficient. So, George, your point, and you know, I, I love that you reached there yourself. Um, but yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to make it so that, like, it's one thing if you're doing an artistic expression by video. Actually, we have one person using it for poetry. It's really cool. But if you're doing goal-driven video, get subscribers, sell products, you know, engage audiences, measurable outcomes, our platform is going to help any video professional do that. Wow. Now you got me impressed. And regarding the poetry, he can call it poetry in motion. By Thomas Dolby. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> she blinded me with science. <laughs> See, there we go. We listen to the same music. And this is exactly what you're doing. I mean, this this is really mind-blowing, the, uh, the science, the technology you're developing. And when you think about, you know, the impact and the roadmap where this can go, it's really, you know, transformative to this whole industry of what you called, uh, you know, purposeful uh, videos. I might have to quote you on that drawer. I just might. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always thinking about the monetization side of it. And what I'm hearing here, you know, Jeremy, which is, uh, first of all, re refreshing because, uh, you know, sometimes I come across, you know, incredible technology, but where, you know, the business plan is nothing more than, well, it's so great. People are just going to come. You know, we, we build it, they will come, right? And I'm a technologist, so I get it. You know, we do, we fall in love with our inventions. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's really understanding how are we going to add value, you know, to the world in such a way that people are going to pay us for that. And uh, I think you've got just a lot of opportunity. This is amazing. Yeah. When do you think we're going to get to the holy grail of script to movie? Will we? Will we? Absolutely. And sooner than I'd say most people think, and then therefore longer than most pundits think. That's you know that that's how these things tend to go. I've seen all of the 
public and a few not uh, demonstrations of current text-to-video solutions. The way I think about them, and this is not meant as a, as a disparagement, but is that it's more of text-to-clip, right? It's text-to-scene, it's text-to-shot, and they're getting really good at that. The challenge is going to become, this is my prediction, so this is just me, but the way all these models work is training them on prior work, right? Prior art. So the question is, do we have enough content to feed these engines to train them? And I used to make this joke, but now I'm starting to question it, which is that let's pretend for a second you wanted to do a rom-com script to movie, right? Well, how many good rom-com scripts are there? Not a ton. That said, by the way, I'm never, ever bearish on, on certain things. And we're in an area of technology acceleration that is truly exponential, right? So if I had to be bullish, what I'm going to say is bullishly by the end of the year, by the end of next year, sorry, 2023, you'll probably have the notion of text to scene, perhaps, where you actually have like a well thought out scene. And again, I want to be really clear here. It's not that you can't string together a series of images that look like a scene, but I'm talking about something that people might say, wait, where did that come from? It's compelling and it can might just fool you. I think that's about where we'll be in a year. And after that, things move slower for a while and then they start speeding up again. You could argue that's what we've seen in AI, right? The last year and a half has seen far more visible progress of AI than, the, than probably like the five years before it. And then it'll slow down again, right? But it doesn't mean that nothing's happening. It's like slow burn kind of thing. So I would guess that next year though, you're seeing stuff happening with text to video that's just like, wow which we love because we just want to import that content as yet another source, right? It still doesn't solve the problem we're solving. That's, that's the cool thing about what we're doing is as each engine emerges and gets better and better, you're still going to have the need where a human being of some kind sets some goal, right? I need to sell a product. This is the product description. This is my budget. These are the kinds of markets I'm going after, you know, and I want it to be this or I want it to be that. In fact, the recent, I, don't, I actually don't know too many of the details, but the recent issue with um, Balenciaga's just put out some very controversial ads. I haven't seen them. I have no comment on them. But I think it's it sets a bit of a caution in what ads do we want live, right? We have to make sure these systems are doing the things we want them to. You know, we probably don't want accidental nudity. We probably don't want accidental Nazi flags. We probably don't want, you know, we, there's a lot of stuff we don't want to have show up. And I think by the time the decision makers are ready to trust these engines will be a little further down the road, right? We still see the human intervention until we get to that point. Speaking of that, isn't there some case where, and I, and I, maybe, you know, the AI model, but wasn't it writing content and pretty quickly it was like pretty racist, uh, you know, in other words, it was very offensive, the content that the AI was writing and they had to shut it down. Right. Yeah, when you let an AI loose on social networks, it just, you know, goes crazy. I think, first of all, there probably are a few. We just don't necessarily know about them. Um, I, I don't remember which one that was. There were two that, that did different things. One, I think the racist one came from Google, and the Facebook one started speaking in gibberish, which was also pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the things I've learned, I had the privilege to meet a woman. Uh, her name is Alice Rowe. That's spelled W-R-O-E when I was working at Warner Media, and she's all about ethics and VR and AR, which was much more the, the hotness at the time that we met. And one of the things she had made a comment to me is that all of these models are learning from effectively unfiltered content. 
So there wasn't a person going in first saying, hey, don't look at 4chan, for example. Don't, don't, you know, ignore all of this vitriol. So it's all been indexed and it's all part of the system. It'll get out over time. I actually am very optimistic on this. It's kind of a mirror, right? It spits out who we are who, as a society. Actually, my, my morning tweet was um, re- retweeting the, the paradox of tolerance. It, it, there's some truth to it is that you know, free speech and, and what is said are two different things. But um, fundamentally, what we can see happening by you know, watching literally the world around us right now is advertisers, which is a lot of money being spent, are very conscientious now of where their brands show up, where their brands don't show up. Right. And so I think humans will have still a keys to the kingdom for a while to come. Oh, yeah. I'm very bullish on humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same. Maybe because Same. you are a human. Yeah. I, I've definitely learned this year alone, like, look at everything with a, with a grain of salt. Like, I've seen AI-generated products. I've seen AI-generated user interfaces. Uh, you know, have you guys heard the uh, Joe Rogan, Steve Jobs fake podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty good. So, but for now, we all have our roles with the mics and the keyboards and all the good stuff. That's right. That's good. Well, this is amazing. Now, uh, Jeremy, how are you funded? So I see an announcement. You raised a million dollars and I think you even called it pre-seed. So this year we've raised, uh, as you said, a million dollars. That was a couple of funds. So we have a couple of venture funds. We have a few uh, high net worth individuals and we have a few and some of the friends and family. So we called this pre-seed because that. You know, this was our first foray. This was the money to build the product, which is what we've done, right? And the next round will be our series seed. Uh, I, in fact, I was talking to a VC this morning who on their own said, yeah, we see seed stage deals now between 500K and 10 million. Yeah, yeah. I'm working with a company um, whose seed round was 17 million. Now they are in the silicon space. So, you know. Our seed round is very, will very likely be a single digit million number. Uh, we, we've made a model that, that puts a little more in the, in the bank before we go. But fundamentally, the next round's purpose is to now expand the product, to complete more of the vision, and to really understand product market fit and customer acquisition cost. Right. To your point earlier, you know, if we want to reach a million podcasters, how much will that cost us? Because I think that's left out of a lot of equations. Yeah, because a SaaS, a SaaS go to market where there's probably a lot of paid spend, you know, and a lot of sponsorships and and that sort of thing looks very different than like like a B2B enterprise, you know, going and slaying the dragons, you know, the the big whales. So yeah, it looks looks very different. You're totally right. We also don't look at it like we're probably not going to slay the whales, right? It's probably not that Toyota decides the entire company's platform uses this. It's more likely that the individual video editor is using it. So we're sort of as a, we call ourselves B2B where as long as one of the Bs is a business-oriented creator is the way we look at the, uh, the B because we think we're going to get a lot of, we have a lot of individuals already on it. And uh, I think that's just going to keep growing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congratulations, Jeremy. Uh, We'll be watching very closely AugX Labs and uh, also becoming a user. I am 100% certain of that. And uh, check out the website and uh, and look at the amazing things they're doing. Uh, I I thought it was interesting when I saw the post about the seed round and, and invited Jeremy to come on the podcast, but... After hearing, you know, exactly what they're doing in the roadmap, I'm really blown away. So again, congratulations. 
And thank you very much, uh, Jeremy, for joining us on the Video Insiders today. Thanks, guys. It's great to be back. And I uh, wish you guys a lot of luck with the podcast and everything you're doing as well. And I, uh, I hope we have another one before 186. <laughs> That's right. We will. <laughs> Definitely. And to our listeners, we will wish you as usual, happy encoding, happy creating, happy transmitting. Happy encoding, happy creation, happy generative AI. And happy holidays. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders Podcast, a production of Beamer Limited. 